0: Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast from Switch to Manual. This is Antonio, and this is episode 73, and I'm going to go right into this. I, I got uh, my friend, um, Sean Justice, joining us uh, for hopefully an interesting discussion. Hello, Sean.
1: Hello. Glad to be here.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm uh, beyond appreciative
1: <laughs> Love it. I'm thrilled to be here. It's exciting. Exciting, yeah. great conversations, as always. We hope. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we know. Yeah, we know. We
0: know it is. So, uh, a little background for everybody. I met Sean through uh, a friend of mine, ours, mutual friend, uh, Karen Da Silva, who worked when I worked at the Image Bank. And I've told you guys that I used to work at the stock agency. And me and my friend Gene were getting a studio and we needed a third person, and Karen introduced us to Sean, and this was, what, 1997. 97. oh no. 97,
1: yep, been a <laughs> so, while.
0: Wait a minute, so it's 97, 2007, mm-hmm. holy, holy, yep. holy boy, that's... Yep. You've got to be kidding me, 21 years?
1: That's, I guess, the math doesn't lie.
0: Okay, so twenty-one years ago, I met King, and he Came and it was a third in our studio on West Fourteen Street in the Meatpacking right. District. And uh, yeah, oh wow, I I'm actually blown away by that. I, I mean, I kind of knew it. There's an intellectual part I knew, it, but
1: right. But when you start to do the accounting, uh, four fourteen West Fourteen, I remember the synchronicity of those numbers and the two of you guys and Karen and oh, it was gosh. just something that had to work out.
0: Yeah, and you uh, when you came into the studio, we didn't know you, but you were like, "Hey, I'll help you guys, you know, you know, uh, set some stuff up and decorate and whatnot." We were like, "Yeah, come on in, (laughs) give us some cash."
1: I was ready to go. (laughs) Give us some cash and and, and set up the studio.
0: Yeah, and we had the studio until well, you moved out before we closed it up right I
1: yeah i think it was a couple of years and then and then i had to kind of switch gears a little bit yeah. and then you guys went for a couple of years more maybe yeah Three we had a,
0: yeah we had another uh we had a filmmaker i'm mm-hmm. um, can't, right. can't remember his name but uh yeah we had a filmmaker filling but uh you you um you know left the studio traitor no.
1: <laughs> yep it's true worst day of my life you helped right?
0: set it up and then and then uh yeah that. things that don't
1: was, always go as planned that's yeah, for sure
0: but but you stayed we stayed friends yep. obviously because
1: absolutely, yeah,
0: so we started off as so everybody we started off as studio mates and then we ended up as friends, and now I'm like you're one of the people you're a really small list of people that I've known over twenty years, and I'm still friends with well I mean, that's like cool. Actively, yeah
1: that's cool, glad love to be on that list. that's awesome news
0: yeah wow twenty one years now I'm getting really yep,
1: yeah. yeah. So you're
0: joining us uh, via Skype, and you're in
1: Austin? I live in Austin, Texas. That's right. Yeah. And I teach at Texas State University, which is in San Marcos, which is a little bit south of Austin, but moved Mm -hmm. to Texas about two years ago. In fact, almost coming up exactly on two years ago. So it's just shy of two years, left Brooklyn and... Uh, making a new life for myself in the university at uh, in the school of art and teaching art teaching art education talking hey, tell, about art tell writing us a about, bit art about that
0: whole thing yeah tell us a little well
1: bit. it's kind of a it's a bit it was a big switch for me but after i closed my own studio i moved out of our the three of us and i opened my own studio separately and i was working commercially Um, So that means advertising and and marketing photography and also being really involved with the stock agencies. And then I was always teaching photography. I was always doing my own fine art photography. And Mm -hmm. I was also very interested in the ideas behind what makes photography special or what makes photography meaningful and gradually started gravitating towards doing that more full time than making advertising photography or making stock photography or making you know, images for licensing libraries and found myself, especially after the recession in 2008, closed up the studio in 2009 and kind of shifted from full-time photographic making into um, thinking and writing about photography as a, as meaning making or as education or as um, art or as um, even in the schools. And so the gradually over the many years, that's what I ended up, that's where I'm at now. It's been a low a long transition. I mean, you know, a seven year transition, yeah, I guess yeah, that's, yeah. that's not all that long in the, in the space of a lifetime. But anyway, certainly, um, a transition from being a full-time artist, you know, commercial artist, fine artist into more of a, a writer and, and teacher. So that's where I'm at now. you still doing
0: any like shooting for yourself or was it just a, uh...
1: uh, primarily i over the years, I kind of gravitated towards making uh, animations, computational things, uh, working with code a lot, and certainly photography, still imaging and lens, lens-based imaging is still really important to me, really, I mean, critically important to me. Mm-hmm. But these, these days, it's, it's more along the lines of, um, I would say, maybe note-taking mm-hmm. um, rather than thinking about photography for the sake of a um, of a final image, so yeah, I don't really do image production in the way that I used to. At least it doesn't feel that way. I, you know, I post on Instagram and and um, uh, send pictures to everybody, and I and I really do think carefully about the way that I use my camera, which today is an iPhone. That's that's my camera, <laughs> but it's yeah. not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make prints. I'm not trying yeah. to publish my photography. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a change, but the old um, the old sort of instincts are are I would say the old sort of the old instincts are definitely part of what I'm doing. They haven't gone away.
0: Well, you know, considering the topic that I wanted to have you on for, you were you just described kind of the perfect um, fit for it. And cool. you know, when it when it popped up in my uh, Twitter timeline, a friend of uh, my Twitter buddy. Uh, who's a photographer also in Canada, uh, Mark Ryerson. We were going back and forth and doing some direct messages, and he was like, out of nowhere, he just like, I have a, a topic I wanted to, you know, pop out to you for your podcast. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I read it, and, like, the first thing I did was think of you. so cool. Yeah, well, uh, and let me read it. Um, I, I'm paraphrasing him here uh, from, the, from the direct message, but uh, his name is Mark Ryerson. And he said, uh, podcast topic idea. He goes, can you delve into the non-technical aspects of what makes an image great? It seems like a subject that's been spoken about already, but always vaguely. He goes, a friend of mine and I talk about how many photography tutorials go into how to achieve a technically great image yet miss the psychology of a great image. You know, for instance, how photographers project themselves into an image which then becomes a reflection of the photographer as much as a record of the subject. I figured you've you've got years of experience to talk about this. Uh, that might be a bit rambly, sorry. When he says years, is he saying that I'm old? <laughs> that we're <laughs> old.
1: It's wise. It's wisdom. It's honey. wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm right. old. Yeah. Big deal.
0: <laughs> so um I, I was thinking about that and it's like I never really talked about that, but you popped into my mind and I just wanted to sort of like have a couple of beers or coffees or whatever we're gonna have. Mm-hmm. I got a bottle of water cool. and, uh, and 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 cool. talk about this with you because, I a I haven't talked to you about photography in a while, and B, um,
1: well I haven't talked to you in a while
0: so, right.
1: Screw <laughs> the, That's what to, happens when you move to Texas. The heck with Excuse. B, yeah, 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 exactly.
0: So um, what I was telling you before recording that what popped in my mind about this at least. You know, this is the sort of the simple aspect of it. I was listening to another podcast, and the, the guest was talking about going to a uh, print show in California and walking through and not seeing anything that was really interesting until he walked by one gallery and he saw one print and he stopped in his tracks. And to me, that was like, okay, well, what that was obviously a great image for him to see, and it stopped him. And then I thought, okay, well, are there like perhaps universal great images? What makes an image great? Is it technical? I don't think it's only technical, um, and I think I don't think we can f- cover this in you know forty five minutes to an hour, but I'd like to get sort of a start on this, in some way, and um, I got a couple of books next to me because they were the closest things next to me. And the first one was uh, uh, Irving Penn because I went to the Irving Penn show, at uh, me and Jean went to the Irving Penn show at the Met that was last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gone to a lot of shows lately. But I, I did get Irving Penn a lot. I mean, you know, some yeah, like him, you know, but, and I ended up buying the book. It was cheap, 75 bucks for this. That's book. cheap. It was cheap. <laughs> it's beautifully printed. I just, in fact, yeah. I just opened it. It was sealed and I wanted to talk to you about it. I was like, okay, well I'll open the Irving Penn book cause it's right next to me. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, if I think about great images, you know, he's certainly one to, mm-hmm. you know, a, a con- not a contemporary of ours, but, uh, um but anyway like let me I talk too much. You, you, <laughs> well, it's a to great topic. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. I you know so your the way that your uh, your um listener phrased it I think is really resonates resonates with me on a couple of different levels and I think that the question itself like the underlying question of how does a photograph move somebody or you know literally in the case of of the other um the other comment that you mentioned, you know, stop somebody, stop mm-hmm. somebody from moving. I think that's a really interesting question in terms of reaction, response, and also then, since, I guess I, I'm presuming, but I, I think based on talking with you about the podcast and about your audience, a lot of us are really actively engaged in, you know, making photographs, mm-hmm. making photographs yeah. for ourselves in a lot of different ways. You may, maybe for a lot of different reasons too, commercially, personally. And and so on and so on, but I think that that question is a very important question in terms of the human response. Uh, That's kind of the way I read it. That's kind of what I hear when you read that uh, when you read the comment from your listener. And I think one of the things that's so interesting for me, so I'm talking about as an artist myself, as a so and I use the word artist very very broadly, (laughs) commercial (laughs) artist Mm -hmm. and fine artist and just person who loves to talk about art or think about art, but then also, and somewhat differently, I think, I would say, as a teacher. And so one, um, a teacher of of young artists or people who are wanting to become part of um, art practice Mm -hmm. and listening to them talk about what moves them, or I like the analogy of what stops them in their tracks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, the reason why that question is so important is because and this might be frustrating to some, some of some people listening to this. But the reason why that question is so important to me is because it's 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 a question that can't really be answered in any kind of a definitive way. Okay, show's I, over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, have fun. Enjoy everything else. The, um, the, but I but that's what keeps me getting up in the morning. Is that knowing that there's not really there's no chance. There's, there's no chance in the universe that this question will be definitively answered. It's up to us individually, you know, and as communities, mm-hmm. as um, partners and collaborators and, you know, more diffusely speaking, communities of photographers or communities of artists. It's, it's up to us to make up the answer each day as we get up and go about our daily practice, uh, whether we're working on a job or working on a project or just wandering, you know, through our lives going from work meeting to work meeting. Yeah, but, but that gives me the most encouragement. I mean, and I say it in a very positive mm-hmm. way. Uh, to me, it feels very positive because it gives me a lot of hope for what we're doing.
0: Yeah, well, and it's also, it's, again, the thing that is going to drive us. I mean, if we we wake up every morning and we think, well, there's no way I'm going to make, you know, a new image or there's nothing going on. It's like, well, then you might as well just give up, right? And so we have to keep thinking that we're always going to make something that's going to st- maybe stop someone else in their tracks.
1: Yeah. Um, The um, the the difficulty for me when I teach when I'm talking about this uh, with my students is that there has to be a balance between thinking about what you're making that stops you in your tracks and like for yourself that's your your own personal trajectory uh, through the world for your own meaning your own sense of meaning and then on the other side of that coin and it's and I think the coin analogy is pretty pretty accurate in this. It's very difficult to separate these things, uh, who your audience is, and what potentially speaks to your audience. And for a very for a young artist, for a young photographer, and I don't mean age, I'm not talking, like you mentioned a second ago, chronological, how old are we in terms of years. I don't really mean that, but I mean more like uh, mental age, or spiritual age. The How long have you been puzzling this particular um, challenge, this particular conundrum? How long has it been keeping you up at night that's kind of what I mean when I say age. Mm-hmm. the the real The difficulty is for a young person um, is trying to separate out those two things and figure which comes first, um, in in terms of your motivation or in terms of how you. Well, your your um your caller your listener mentioned the technical aspect of of making a picture and and that that also is a really big question, right? But but just for the sake of brevity I would I would say maybe he's referring to the aspects of the tool like aperture shutter speed framing lighting and, and so on things like that I mean that's what that's the kind of thing that I think of when somebody says the technical aspect of photography well, you know and,
0: and think you can add in there I, I would think you could add in there also the the stuff that you would learn in let's say you know tutorials about. The rule of thirds and composition Absolutely. and balance and stuff like that. I, in some way, I might consider that technical as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's all the stuff that you can actually be shown and, in a sense, taught. Like literally taught. Like this is the way it works, and this is how you know one plus one equals two. Mm-hmm. But but the much more difficult and complex thing is then finding what you yourself resonate with. And the, so how those choices, and there's hundreds of choices and maybe infinite number of choices in terms of how the tools work, they coalesce or they break apart, they create particular configurations. I like the word I'm using actually these days is choreography. Hmm. There's a, even if you, even if it's a still image, quote unquote, still image, I still, um, the word choreography seems to be really important to me because these decisions are always in motion. They're momentarily stilled or paused for a brief fraction of a second. I mean, in the in, within the tools of photography, there's a sense of timing right. that's very important. Yep. Um, but I, I still consider it to be a question of choreography, of a relationship between moving objects. And when that relationship seems to crystallize or snap, which is another word I use a lot, the word snap, when it snaps for you, so you as the maker, you as the person who is um, causing the image to momentarily pause or still in that swirling, entangled mass of choreography, mm-hmm. when it snaps for you, you have to be really aware and present to that snap. Now, and, and I mean that in a really particular way in terms of that, um, that dichotomy I mentioned a second ago, like yeah. between yeah. you as the maker and then thinking of who your audience is so there's part of it where you almost have to throw up your hands and say, well, it snapped for me, now let's see if it snaps for anybody else. And there's going to be people who don't like Irving Penn, to use your example. There's going to be people who think Irving Penn is sterile or um, too configured in terms of his his compositional choices or his the way he thinks of light or the way he, he designed, um, designed the image plane. Um, there's going to be people who are not moved by Irving Penn. I mean I I I think I'm with you. I am very moved by Irving Penn's images, but that's a personal choice and that's not I don't think that's what we're talking about necessarily. No, I, mean, I think Well, you know,
0: and I was going to say I was going to add to that like there are people who don't like Ansel Adams as well for Precisely for exactly the same reasons and you know precisely. we're all going to sort of gravitate towards the people we resonate with in some way, I mean on some deep level that we may not understand. I mean I mean I I really enjoy Adams' work, but I've never been out you know, I've never shot the kind of pictures of it, but there's something about some of his work that resonates. I don't know, you know, I haven't quite discovered the full depth in myself right. about it, but it's like, so what, you know? Right, I got right. time to figure that out. And uh, you, you mentioned the, the two sides of the coin, the audience. It's very funny when you say audience, and I'm automatically thinking like, you know, you have to do something with your picture because you have an audience, but of course you're creating this stuff so that, People are creating photography so that it's not just going to sit on a hard drive or in a box someplace. That it's there to be seen somehow. Right. Uh, and, but you know, go back to the go back to the stop in my tracks. You're like, okay, I'm I'm walking down a gallery, you know, uh, and I, and I see a photograph and I'm stopped in my tracks because of them. It's someone else's picture. Is it, it? How is it that can your students and or, or the rest of us can we be stopped in our tracks by our own picture? because there's mm-hmm. something weird about that to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and I'm just free flowing here a little bit, but like, you know, I I have maybe one picture lately that I was like, okay, I'm really proud of, that I like, that stops me, but I, I, you know, it seems rare, it seems easier for me to find other people's pictures to stop me in my tracks than to see my own work and have that done. And like say, oh, that's a universally great image, or that's a great right. image. Is that something that, that you see your, your students having to deal with in some way or uh, you know I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but make a lot sense?
1: No, it makes well, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think that we are often, so let's think about the word universal for a second. There's a, there is um, I don't know if everybody feels this way, so in <laughs> that sense, it's, um, it might not be a universal thing. But in terms of the desire for the one, it, the one snap or the one picture that speaks uniformly and uh, resonates deeply with the broadest possible audience, I, I do. I don't think it's. I don't think it's wrong to say that a lot of people have that desire that there could be one, it. There mm-hmm. could be the it, mm-hmm. and um, you know we could talk socially and historically, about all kinds of leaders and despots and dictators and so on and so on, and, and you know, analyze that question from a lot of different perspectives within the field of art, and, you know, more than maybe a little bit more specifically. I'm also, I'm sensitive, by the way, to what your your listener, what you read earlier about answering questions in a way that is not vague. Mm-hmm. The dif- The mm-hmm. difficulty with complex issues is that, right, I mean, this is a standard this is a standard differentiation between you know, things that have lots of moving pieces, but always have right or wrong answers, those, you you can legitimately say those are complex, um, or rather, excuse me, I said that wrong, you can legitimately (laughs) say those are complicated, right, right? because there's many moving pieces, but there's a whole other field of understanding how things take on meaning, where you have millions of moving pieces, or you know, whatever, maybe fewer than a million, but you have many moving pieces, but you never have the expectation of having a singular right answer those are complex mm-hmm. and the thing about complex situations and i truly believe that photography is a complex is a complex situation the thing about complex situations is that there there really isn't any possibility of answering with a one definite answer mm. so it may seem vague but despite your best efforts anything that anything that is absolutely like crystal or concrete or like it's this it's absolutely this and it's not that, that becomes like overly simplistic and then you lose the essence of the wonder and the joy and the curiosity. So in any case, that's a little bit of a tangent, but but uh, my point being that I'm really sensitive to the issue of answering as concretely and specifically as possible and and trying to avoid being vague. It's really difficult. I think it's really difficult in this arena. So, in terms of um, back to the question about universal and universality, in terms of the idea, the hope, or the desire that something that you make or I make or somebody makes could be the one thing, the one it for mm-hmm. all humanity, always and everywhere, <laughs> I, I I don't think that's I don't think that is a, a silly desire. I think that's something that's part of being human. Um, on the other hand, I think that as artists mature. Uh, you remember I'm using the word artist very broadly here, but as artists mature, they begin to kind of come to terms with the idea that their young or youthful um, desires uh, might've been, you know, for that sense of universality, those desires might even be a little bit naive in the sense that it's just not the way the world works most of the time. And, and the joy and the, and the possibility of the complexity, that's what keeps us all moving forward. And if you were to walk down a gallery row, um, not a, you know, not a gallery road, Mm -hmm. like a line of pictures in a gallery. If every single picture made you stop in your tracks, literally that would be impossible, right? You'd be there until closing and then you'd never get out of the gallery because you'd just be stopped again and again and again. So there is a sense of the joy of that unexpected possibility of being stopped in your tracks. And like you said, I feel, I used to feel the same way that there are a few pictures that I made in my life that stopped me in my tracks. And and when I think back of them or look at them, I, they they continue to stop me in the tracks, but the vast majority of pictures I made, you know, pictures that sold well, you know, pictures that people paid me to make, or pictures that were exhibited in galleries or published in art magazines, that don't stop me in my tracks. I think it's really fascinating and curious how they can be so different, um, and maybe, I mean, they, they certainly must have stopped other people in their tracks. I mean, well, that's an assumption, I Yeah, suppose. but and
0: what's interesting about that is, is as you're saying that, I'm thinking, well, like, we took the picture so right. something stopped us in our tracks to take the picture to create the image i should say more or less that that and it's funny that you say that and then we look at it and we're like well you know okay <laughs> right you know it doesn't quite have that same effect at, you know in the post and you know right we're not uh, maybe let's say it's more rare i mean you're you're more likely to take a lot of pictures i've been thinking about this lately like someone was talking um Shucks! On another podcast, I think. Oh, but I'm I'm listening to so many podcasts, I I end up blending them all. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) and thinking, oh, he was saying something like, you know, all those pictures that are on my hard drive, right? um, That that you know don't quite make it. They're all sort of a um, a piece of me, right? And they work towards me moving to, to to take that it picture. You know, so I right. don't discount them, but like they didn't quite hit the mark or whatnot. And but they all like in a sense, I think for that photography that he stopped in his tracks and took the image. There was something compelling about the um what did you just say? The uh I'm blanking on the word that you just said, the um, choreography,
1: choreography, right? right. Some
0: that grabbed that's stopped him in his spot. He took the picture. It's now sitting on his hard drive. It's no longer part of him, and it's not grabbing him enough to to say, oh, "I want to show this to the world." So, you know, wh- I, I'm creating an image, or I photograph a lot of pictures. I take a, lot, you know, I'm walking around, this, you know, all the time with my camera. I'm taking a lot of shots of things I see that somehow, and you know, I have observed. I'm inspired to pull the camera up to my face or do you know do it from the hip like I usually do. Take the shot, process it. I like it. It looks good, but it you know it doesn't stop me. So what's the disconnect? I mean, I can get stopped in my tracks to take the picture, but then I get the final result and I'm not, I'm no longer attached to it.
1: Well, I think that's, you know, it's funny. So uh, another word that your, your, um, your respondent, your listener, your friend from Canada mentioned was the word psychology. And I, I, I haven't really considered that word as being part of what's going on when I, you know, I've thought about this a lot, especially in my teaching um, in the last, you know, 15 years, I suppose psychology is probably a good word for this. It's not a word that I'm, I'm maybe I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. But, um, so my answer to that, and the way that I've answered it with my students, is that there, there really is, I, you know, I go back to this uh, sense of choreography, and that that may not be the right word for everybody, and it, in fact, it may not be the right word at all. But that's the word I'm stuck with for the moment. For the last several years, there's something about moving through the world. And observing the way that things move around you is a very much of a perspective shift as you breathe, in fact, as your body moves in the rhythm of your own breathing, how things line up differently. But especially if you're moving through a scene and things line up differently, perspectively, and in terms of the way that uh, we can think of it in terms of a lens, but also think of it in terms of your own eyes, your own way you move your head, Mm -hmm. that shapes line up and then they become disaligned, colors and light and motion and and the constant flux and the constant flow of the world around you, there's going to be, for photographers, now I don't know if this is true for all for all visual artists, but for photographers, there's going to be a sense of where that alignment sort of falls into place, where the arrangement feels right, even if it can't be sort of articulated as mm-hmm. right, even mm-hmm. if you can't really identify in words, right. but you're, there's a feeling of it. Now, the other thing that I think is also important, and I think you mentioned this in terms of your own, you know, the street photography that you do that, you know, that people really love and that we see all the time on your feeds, on your various social feeds. And, um, you know, there's a there's a very strong history of of street photography. There's a genre, there's years and years and decades, generations of people who have been working in that vein. But likewise, there's Irving Penn, you know, studio photography, and there's constructed photography, and then there's there's manipulated collage photography, and there's digital photography, and there's people who are doing, doing photography in terms of, um, you know, like computationally grabbing ideas or screenshots from Google Maps, and so there's just mm, there's great. so many different ways of making, of making that still image. But, but I would say, and this might be a stretch, and this might be this might sound <laughs> Go ahead, stupid stretch, 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 I would say that within each of these people, each of each of us that there is this unfolding choreography of arrangements, of alignments, of, of, of light and image and shape and texture and personality, and that we each bring to this process um, a really embedded and, and deeply thoughtful, I, I think it's deeply thoughtful, even though I do not list, I don't link the thinking to language, I, I link it to the way we move our arms and our bodies and our heads mm-hmm. uh, as we look left and right. But there's a deeply thoughtful stance or a deeply thoughtful engagement with the particular elements that are interesting to that particular person. So what I think is happening is, and this may this is back to where the word psychology might be a very interesting way to think about it in terms of the history of psychology, which I'm not an expert in, but I, that I'm intrigued by your listeners' use of that word. But what I think is happening is that if you are able to hold it loosely enough to this experience of this experience of choreography and simply respond to those moments of alignment. So simply click the shutter if that's what you're into, or clickly move or you know, simply move the camera left or right, or move the lights left or right, or paste or copy paste mm-hmm. if that's what you're into. If you're simply able to respond to those moments of alignment that you gradually, ever so gradually Move yourself and your mind and your spirit and your body into places where more moments of alignment happen than not. Mm. And those moments of alignment may, in fact, like you said earlier, and I really I really respond to what you said earlier because I feel the same thing, that, yeah, I felt a moment of alignment. I click the shutter. let's just use that as right, as right, uh, yeah. as a shorthand. Um, I click the shutter, and then I look at the contact sheets or I look at the proofs of the files later, and I realize, you know, I clicked the shutter in the wrong time or something wasn't, it It felt right at the moment, but I was wrong. And if you get really obsessed about that and say, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. And, or why did I do that? Or something like that. If you beat yourself up about it, then you kind of stop all the flow, all of the choreography and everything can kind of come crashing down around you. But people who keep going sort of say, yeah, well, you know, I, I tripped the shutter at the wrong time and now let's go make some more pictures. Um, I don't know if other photographers would say it in anything in any way that I'm saying it. Mm. But the, but you know, after thinking about this for a really long time and watching students deal with the frustrations and, and the joys, you know, the successes and the failures, um, it makes, it kind of makes sense to me that maybe that's what's going on in our brain, brain body um, choreographies. And I, and I, you know, some people might hear me say that and say, well, that's just so damn vague sorry, you know, (laughs) yeah, but I, I Hmm. don't mean it vague at all. I I really, I, I'm trying not to be vague in any sense whatsoever, but I think if you've ever made a photograph in your life that stopped you in the, in your tracks, there's something about that snap that, that you cannot articulate, um, in a way that, in a way that, um, you know, many writers have written about this idea of what cannot be sort of articulated or words can't be applied mm-hmm. to the visual image. But you felt it. Yeah. You have, you have felt it. And, and the trick is to let yourself kind of loosen up and, and continue to search for that feeling again and again and again.
0: As you're saying this, it's coming to my, my feeble mind. <laughs> no, uh, no, sorry. That's just, not true, of No, course. I know. I, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm, I like to rank it myself a little bit. It, yeah. There's a left-right brain thing, and I don't mean that literally and how the left-right right. brain works, but uh, Mark was talking about, you know, there's all these, t- you know, people are watching. You know, everybody's a photographer now, right? So we all have cameras. Right. Everybody's looking, and there are people who want to learn it. You know, I've got some in... Come to my classes, you've got students that they, they want to go further with it. And they're, you know, they're learning however they are, they're going to class, they're watching YouTube, they're they're reading books, and like he was saying in his uh topic idea for the podcast that so I'm rambling a lot, but the idea that there's this technical way to make a good picture, you know? Right. Right, there's all the elements. So we got the equipment, we got the composition, which I I, I really will throw in as technical, um, right? Because these yeah, are I all the, right. Because you know, as I'm thinking about it, this is the kind of stuff I learned in school. Right. Right. I went to school. I went to photography school. I started in high school, and we learned all the things that you do. Right. And there's contrast. There's, yeah, it, it's endless for photography. But that's all the that, that's all the um. Let's say that's the left brain. Would that be the right way to say it? Like all the, um, or is it
1: the right brain? Yeah. I, the, what is I the right know. brain and left brain?
0: One is tech. One is more analytical, and the other is
1: more. I never pay attention to that. But anyway, yeah. Someone's gonna someone's but, gonna write
0: me and say it's the right brain. I, yeah. It doesn't matter. So you right. know all that stuff is the right brain part, and then there's this, left brain. Uh, what you're talking about the vague, I think, mm-hmm. which. Um, I think we we all tend to want to sort of understand things. We're humans. We want, you know, straight lines, left, right. And the vague is the hardest thing to deal with. And, you know, I will see a great image, right? I'll look at it. And, in fact, you know, I I flipped through the Irving Penn book quickly before we got on the, you know, recording. And I was like, if I had to pick one picture from this book, let's say I had to, I had it and I had to, there was a fire and I had to run out with it because it was the only one I could grab. What one would I take of Penn's work? Right. So I'm in the gallery, right? And the, there was a fire. Right. And right. Okay. The one that popped up for me was the the portrait of uh, Picasso. Oh, you know, with yeah. the hat and the one eye. And, yeah. And you know, for some reason that was the one that And you know, technically it's a really good picture, right? It composed well, there's light, shadow, there's the eye. There's a lot of the stuff that I think you could learn in school to make that picture. Right, but and and I've actually it's funny that I brought that one up because I've seen like I, when I remember doing a search for that picture on the internet, I found that there were right. people who had imitated it, you know, on purpose, like had a guy right. in a hat and done, like, and yeah, of course, imitations, you know, are never going to be like the original, but they 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 f- they fell flat completely, and it's not is it you know is it a combination because it's Picasso and it's Irving Penn and it's black and white, but there's something that all those pieces, all those technical pieces. Are uh, adding up to that becomes the vague, and, and right. this is probably the wrong word to be using. But well, I'm going to use it because we've been using it. You've been saying it. That I right. can't quite tap into. I can't say why do I like that picture. Why would it be that? Why would that be the one I would grab uh, if there was a fire? You know. And sorry, I don't know where I'm going with this, but well, I can't. I can't quite. I can't. Yeah, quite, no, I, I, can't I don't have the words. I don't have words. Um, Right. In fact, the only thing I could say, the only thing I could do, would be the physical. Like it would be the grabbing that picture and running out with it. I don't have words to describe why that would be the one. Why, when I look through the book really quickly, I broke, you know, went through it fast. Or I love Penn's work. And he's done so many different things. uh, That you know, he's one of those photographers where I would say, like, he was he was really good at a lot of things. Um, and he's just a photographer I pulled off the shelf cause I had it right next to me and there's plenty of contemporary photographers and even photographers right. prior to him that I like. It's just, he was there. Uh, and I could probably do the same with each one as I went through their work. I'd say, this is the one that I would run away with in a fire. I can't, I don't have these words to describe why I would, why I would grab that one. um, and right. does that make it? Well, even does that make it a great picture? I don't know if you know. Maybe we were sort of past that phrase, but I, yeah, that's a hard phrase. It right? is a hard phrase. You know, and it's like you know, it's, like we said, there's probably no universal. But I can't grasp the reason. I can grasp the technical stuff. So the the right brain stuff that's very easy. I think what you're talking about, you know, the left brain stuff is a lot harder to put a finger on. And, yeah, it is. And is it something that we need? Do we need to just say, well, throw our hands up in the air and say, OK, so what does it matter? But I don't know. I mean, we're talking about it. So it must matter in some way. I mean, I think we're. I, I as, agree. Yeah. yeah, as human beings, we like to explore and we like to understand and learn and that uh, and, and make meaning to these things. So anyway, um.
1: well, you know, I I think you're touching on things that, well, I mean, obviously we've had conversations like this many times in the past though you know maybe not in the last couple years but since i moved away from new york but the all right um,
0: i'll take the blame for that i haven't called you in a while
1: (laughs) yeah well it's it's a collaboration yeah it's a mutual collaboration (laughs) but i so you know it's it's interesting listening to you talk about that what comes back to me is a topic for another podcast for sure a longer conversation a little bit of a different tangent but you know, there's this thing, another analogy, let's think about expertise in sports, for example, mm-hmm. and you talk to a, you listen to a great basketball player or a tennis player or a golfer, and they're talking about how they made the shot, and what happened when, and how did you know, and, and you know, nobody's gonna demand, well, I, I, don't, I don't know for 100% fact on this, but it seems to me that very few sportscasters or interviewers are gonna demand that a great athlete precisely articulate how they knew to take the shot or how, to, how they knew to line up, um, because it's preposterous, because we presume that within the field of sports, especially great sports, there's going to be this sense of intuitive responding to the environment or to the way that your team members are moving or your opponent is moving. Mm-hmm. But in art, we often do hear people, and especially, and again, as a teacher of young artists, we often do sort of insist that people explain, explain it. Right, right. You know, why did you do this? Or why do you think that person did this? If you're looking at a, you know, somebody else's picture. And I really reject that. I, I think that that is um, preposterous at the deepest level because that's just not the way the, the body works. That's not the way materials work or tools work. You can learn how to set an aperture, but knowing which aperture to set is a different story. Mm-hmm. And... Knowing which aperture to to set at the spur of the moment, the f- as things are flying around you, as things is crazy unfolding in the choreography of the lived moment, you know, moment to moment, second to second, that's so beyond words, that's so beyond anything that looks like articulation in terms of language, that it's preposterous to then look back and say, well, how did you know, or why did you choose this? It's like you're doing some mathematical equation. Right, here. Right. You know, the expert photographer, the expert artist, is going to be so far beyond anything related to the conscious control of the tool. They're living the tool. They're living and breathing the tool as part of their own body, like moving your finger left or right, or taking one foot in front of the mm-hmm. other. I, I like and,
0: the, I like the sports analogy because that that feels right. I mean,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. does it? I mean, it does. That's it does. Cool. It does.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking like. The last thing I want to do is think. Like you're right. someone, just as you were saying that, I was like, you know, here's this picture, here's this picture, here's this picture, and someone's saying, well, what were you thinking about when you do this? I'm like, the last thing I want to do at the moment is think. I don't exactly. want to think about this. this is why I'm a, like this is why I'm doing this. I agree. You know, and uh, why should I stop in my tracks and like answer your question? And I can't wait to use that word preposterous. <laughs> 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 I want to, I want to okay. use that because. It is. It's a perfect phrase for that. And, and um, uh, th- you know, when I'm thinking about the image that I like that, that sets me off, it was a shot uh, that I took of um, – I was walking – I was most of my shots – I don't know if you know this. Most of the shots I do, I do on the way to work or right. To my home, right? And right, I'm right, just, right. I'm just walking and there's there's a – the sun is shining through a fence and it's shining onto – that little um, grippy stuff that's near the sidewalk the curb right. so you don't slip and I stopped in my I, I stopped in my tracks literally right. and I'm like it's an American flag and cool I took the shot and I still look at that thing and I mean you know obviously I saw the pattern and so uh, you know I recognized it and something like that but um, it, well may, maybe some obviously I'm thinking that was a very you know it's a pattern so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about something. Right, uh, and I lost my train of thought (laughs) where I was going with this. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, you're, I, you know, I see your work. I see your work all the time. I, you know, like I said, I, I follow your feeds and it seems to me that you're seeing with your whole body and it's not really a case of isolating the visual image separate from your experience of the environment. And I don't, I don't think that's unusual. I think that's what photographers Mm -hmm. and artists, that's what we do. Um, I have to I do with this all the time I, I literally on a on a daily basis I'm I tell my students to stop thinking because they are experts in the use of the tool of language they know how to write great sentences they know how to speak about their intentions but they they their their expertise with the tool of language often causes them to freeze up and stop making pictures mm-hmm. and um, I'm constantly trying to figure out ways that to, um, to improve you know, encourage my students to literally, like you said, stop thinking, see with your whole body, feel the world move with your whole body, and um, it's really tricky. I think the difficult thing for me, going back to your listener's question, in terms of how do you make that great picture, the psychology of how everything fits together beyond the technical use of the tools, the the answer I have is keep keep going. And that is a literal, practical thing, and there's nothing vague about that at all. Just keep making pictures and worry only about the way that it snaps for you. Try not to worry about your audience. The audience will, to some extent, take care of itself, but it won't take care of itself until you can hold it loosely enough to just keep going.
0: But you said the audience was the other side of the coin.
1: The other audience is the other side of the coin, and if you're thinking about it from a design perspective or a commercial perspective, then the balance really shifts in a lot of really important ways in terms of running a commercial studio, a design studio, for example, a photography studio, an advertising studio, a marketing studio. Um, but I really would say that the very, very best designers, the very best commercial photographers, they dealt with themselves first, and when they felt like they were ready, when they could trust themselves, mm-hmm. when they could free fall and not freak out, then they were ready to um, you know, engage an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a gut feeling based on talking to a lot of designers, and I used to teach at Parsons where we were very much involved in educating the full, you know, the future designers um so then again, that's another tangent yeah. perhaps. But you know,
0: as you're saying this, the the other thing that you know, and I've been talking about this a lot on well, other podcasts and in thinking in my head, and of course it's popping up in the news a lot, is that let's say specifically with photographers, there's this added, you know, social media, you know, um thing. I don't know how to describe right. it, right? And we all get tickled and um, you know, caressed by people who give us a thumbs up and little hearts on our picture and you were saying something before um right about going through a gallery right walking through a gallery and the one you were saying what if every picture uh stopped in your tracks and i I can't remember what you were saying about it but i'm thinking like what's what's the analog of that now is that people thumbing through you know an instagram feed and i don't mean the pictures of you know uh you know people's lunches and you know uh, dogs right. and stuff like that. I'm talking about like someone like me. I actually follow a lot of f- specific photographers on Instagram because I want to look at photography Right, and you know, I'm flipping through it. Just like any, you know, anybody does and I'm tapping this one because I like it and I tap it You know, I tap them because I, when I you, a, you like them and then b it stores them so that you can see them again Rarely do I ever go back and look at them. I realized Um, But here I am walking through a gallery right in some way. Right. And the mere act of tapping and saying, I like this picture, like this picture is, is it, you know, in a way stopping in my tracks to like it. But in, in some sense, I don't like, you know, I'm not liking any of them. And if I'm liking all of them. You know, what's the difference? Right. Um, right. And so there's Good this point. Yeah. yeah, there's this added, you know, what makes a great picture? Or people are going to say, well, because I've done it technically very well. Right. So I got all the. The lighting and the composition, blah blah blah, and then the vague part is all the thumbs up that I'm getting from all these people because all all these people who are following me have some sort of uh, you know reaction to the image, and I've got two thousand likes or you know fifteen thousand thumbs ups or or something like that. Right. And neither one of those necessarily makes it a great picture. I mean, right. You know, what but what has coalesced in, in today that has made that I don't know how to describe it. Um, you know, let's say it made that photographer, you know, famous. Right now, they're they're now you know socially you know Instagram famous, or they get a gallery show because someone you know four thousand people like their pictures. Like, right, this doesn't seem like what we're talking about in some way. But like, they've got all the pieces there, right? You know, they got the technical stuff, and they got all the likes, right? And the likes are the, uh, or the people are just are reacting to the technical. I
1: mean, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but I'm
0: thinking like that doesn't necessarily make a great picture.
1: No, I, you know, for me, the, you're, I think it's also another important question. There's no doubt in my mind that it is really, it's a question of, of critical importance for our times, but it does sort of beg a different trajectory in, in terms of the conversation. Um, For me, it, starts to think about, um, talk about marketing and particularly around the tool, the particular tool of social. So, um, you know, like thumbing, a thumbing a like, or thumbing a, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a forwarding or an instant, um, you know, thumbs up of some sort. And I think that that can't be really underestimated because it is a, it's a particular tool within our universe. Um, our interverse. That's the kind of uh, the way we breathe in a lot of ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for me, the difference in, in terms of our prior, co- the conversation we've been having so far is that that, that action or that response is really fully um, fully directed towards the audience and and, and um, sort of getting a sense of who the audience, what the audience might might respond to. Rather than, I think what we've been talking about really for the most part up to this point is how you as an image maker are moving through the world and deciding when to make a picture, you know, click the shutter or whatever it happens to be. Um, I don't know. To me, it just feels like a, it feels like a different take on the world, a different way of thinking about the world. Um, I, I wouldn't say, and, you know, sometimes the conversation around social is it kind of devolves in my mind, it devolves into like a natural or unnatural, artificial, you know, real or virtual, you know, these kinds of uh, oppositions. Mm -hmm. I don't, I kind of don't like that language of opposition because social is as much a part of our world as, as pretty much anything else. I mean, it's different than having coffee together and looking at a Irving Penn book. There's no doubt. I would never argue that it's not different, but it's, it's powerful and it moves us in ways that you know that can't be denied so I wouldn't say it's artificial or not real in any possible way I would say but I but I would maintain that it's a very different kind of a mm. kind of a tool uh, social media is a very different kind of a tool and it does seem to me that mostly what happens with social media is directed towards the audiences it's, it's right. audience-based and then, not maker-based yeah
0: and I hear that that makes a lot of sense and yet are we then struggling to say because someone is famous on social that or have, you know got a lot of likes that that becomes a great image. Like right. When I look through when I look through my I got a lot of really good photographers I follow on Instagram. I, I, I chose to follow them because I love their pictures. And, and there might have been a few that have stopped me in my tracks sort of like they have been, whoa, oh, those are really good, but it's you know it's really far and few between. But, you know, what I'm wondering about, and I don't want to go too much into this because I'm already seeing we're about near an hour, but, um, you know, are people now going to start seeing that as we go further into the future? Is that how we're going to be uh, judging, deciding, whatever, that this is now, uh, you know, a a great picture? Like, this is what makes because this is how people are showing work now, right? I'm actually really happy about social media because... You know, when we were growing up, we had to... The only way you could show your pictures was either you had to... You know, there's a handful of ways you could have done it, right? But it wasn't easy. Um, And now, with, you know, the thing that I keep in my pocket, I can send my picture out and the whole world can see it, right? Right. And, uh, you know, everybody's... A lot of people fall into that trap of, like, well, it doesn't get a lot of likes, therefore, it's not a good picture, and... Uh, you know, forget it. I'm not going to do anything with it or, you know. And, and that's kind of what I think about goes through my mind sometimes. I, I'm i not disassociated from that feeling of like, well, I put that picture out. I shot it. And it All the pieces aligned when I took it. Uh, it's not aligning for everybody else. Therefore, it's not a good shot. You know, Right, and, right. And that's obviously dangerous because we're really not here to make pictures for everybody else unless you're, uh, well, right. maybe you are, unless Right, unless you're getting
1: paid for it. No, I mean, I think, yeah, it depends on your stance, right? Right.
0: That it again. Yeah, it does depend on that. But there is that. You know, this is now in our world, and it's giving everybody the feels, uh, right. in some way. And how do we um, pull back from it and say, look, that's not what's important. Did the did did you like you were saying before? you you created the picture with your body or you created this piece of work with your body and you're not thinking and it's, and, and you're doing what you want to do with it and not worried about how it's being looked at. Right. Um, how do we, I mean, I'm thinking about you with your students, but how do we, um, and this might not be able to be answered today, but how do we uh, keep that in check? Right.
1: Right. I don't I don't well, yeah, exactly.
0: I mean I don't know if we need to keep in checking. Am I saying you know, and like I, I kinda of agree with you, so social media is not a neither a good thing or a bad thing. We created it, we invented it, we're social beings. You know. Right. It it's part of us, it's not going away. But well the thing of- Go ahead, I think, sorry.
1: Yeah, the thing I think one thing to keep in we haven't talked about and again, another another Definitely. conversation yeah. is is the notion of filters in terms of who decides what great means? And pre- before social, before the internet, before all of these, the world that we live in today, Irving Penn was not Irving Penn as a solo practitioner. He was surrounded by concentric circles of filters, you know, editors, right, publishers, right, clients. Right. And so what we're seeing in his exhibitions at the museum or in the book is, um, you know, certainly he had a part in it, but he was not the solo he was not the solo person. And and in some cases, we might see a picture in the book, perhaps even that Picasso picture, where he might have said, that doesn't snap for me. That's not a great picture. Hmm. But, you know, his opinion is outweighed by the filters around him. Hmm. So obviously today, the, the notion of filter is important in many ways in social media. But we certainly understand, I think we probably agree without even discussing it, that there's fewer filters in terms of what gets presented to the world. So if we if we think about greatness being longevity or having anything at all to do with longevity, how things survive over time, maybe the notion of filters is what we're talking about. So even though the momentary experience of social media seems to be remove the filters, publish anything you want over time, certain things will survive based on filters of intention. You know, this, I like this picture. I'm a gallery owner. I'm going to sell this picture, I'm a magazine producer, I'm going to get the photographer to give me a high-res file so I can. But they're also, you know, the the very difficult filters to even imagine. Like, you know, the entire server farm lost power or was flooded and every picture was lost that was on that person's server. Mm. And so they're gone. And that's a filter, that's a physical filter, just like mm-hmm. a photographer's studio burning down, um, you know, in the old days, supposedly, Right. right, right you know, whatever right. the old days are, you know. <laughs> Last week, you know, in terms of, (laughs) but anyway, obviously, I think you're on, I think you're exactly on target with in terms of the conundrum of this. Um, and the word filters comes up, came up to me as I was listening to what you were saying.
0: Okay. And I think, I think we'll have to pause it there because that's the pause. That's the pause. Because I'm just thinking that, that that would be the next uh thing to talk about, um, the filters. So, Mark, I'm not sure we answered the question <laughs> whether or not we were vague,
1: but Mark, keep going, just he, keep he, going <laughs> yes.
0: he's a good he's a good photographer he goes under uh oh what's his his Twitter it handles like Canadian portraitist or something like that i'm I'm getting that wrong, and sorry, Mark, I'm butchering it because I'm not looking at it in front of me, but he's a really good shooter um cool, yeah, and uh, I, I made all these friends from Canada I've got all these Canadian friends now. Terrific. Yeah. And getting prepared to move there. <laughs> no. Nice. No. <laughs> I'll visit you. Yeah. But, but I think this needs to, I would, yeah, well, I would definitely like to do a part two, maybe with you if you're able to, or somebody else, but, uh, I would leave it at filters, um, is a good thing. And, uh, I, I really like the idea. I like the sports, um, connection. And I, I also like the, uh, choreography because I I I had a visual in my mind. I can't describe it. But um cool. Sort of like oh I I won't describe it. It'll take me another ten minutes describing it. But I think that really worked for me in terms of seeing it. And I think the question about whether or not, you know, how we find our own work, does it stop us in our tracks? Do we think it's great? Um is that enough to make you think like, well, I'm just patting myself on the back because I take great shots or are you truly saying that is something that would stop me? You know. Right. Um and I right. think that is something we all sort of need to not answer for ourselves, but just keep, you know, thinking about it. Like you know, right. you know not well, only,
1: to be honest with yourself too. To be honest I mean, with you, yourself. Yeah. You know it. You know it. You're the only one that knows it.
0: Yeah. But it's really interesting to think that you could be honest with yourself about like, you know, you take all these pictures and yet there's only the one or two that really stop you in your tracks and you're like well wait a minute but i did all these others and they're all part of me so anyway to to be continued so excellent yeah sean fantastic thank you so much thank (laughs) you
1: well god thanks for thanks for inviting me i love these conversations this is what i love to say i make my living making conversations about art it's fabulous i I love it so much thank you (laughs) I'm,
0: i'm so glad i had the uh the, the opportunity to get you on the show too. So like the fact that I'm doing a show now and
1: brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Too. I waited so long.
0: I mean, it's 73 episodes and
1: 73 episodes. It's young, 73 <laughs> episodes. Young. <laughs> so uh, very cool. Very Sean. Cool.
0: Why don't you let all these people who are listening, uh, yes, where they could find you.
1: Absolutely. You know you found. Well, I am assistant faculty assistant professor at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas and you can certainly find me there and look my name, Sean Justice, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) and then also my, I do more or less maintain a private, my own private site, seanjustice.com, which has selections of my photography and my animations and my, my visual jokes that I like to put up, but. I don't put a lot of time into that anymore. I spend most of my time as assistant faculty at Texas State University. Oh, so yeah. easy to find me. Sean Justice, just Google me, and you'll you'll definitely find my faculty page at Texas State, and I would love to hear the ongoing conversation 100%. Yeah, and
0: you sound like a superhero, your name. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, a lot a lot to live up to. I got so many capes in my closet, it really it makes <laughs> yeah. me crazy. The dry cleaning bills alone are making me breaking
0: me <laughs> you're not kidding i've seen yeah i've seen pictures yeah. of, of people that
1: you have yeah. taken with capes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Very funny. cool well Very... thanks
0: sean thanks for coming on
1: absolutely my yeah. pleasure it's been great fun it has been great fun and
0: and look everybody if you want to find uh me uh you can look at my twitter site which is am rosario and i'm on Flickr and Instagram at amrosario, and you want to go to the site? It's switch to manualcom and we're on uh, Instagram too at switch the number two manual, and Twitter at switch the number two manual. So switch to manual on those. And what else? Um, we have. Uh, if you want to help support the show, we got a couple of ways of doing. It. If you want to do like a one-time small tip, we got a little tip cup on our Podbean page and on the page with the uh, our show notes. Uh, you can give us a one-time PayPal tip, or you can do even what's better is get me to uh, review your portfolio, review some of your pictures. So you go to switchmanualcom slash portfolios, I believe, and we've got three paid tiers and a free 99 version. So uh, basically you send us our, your pictures and we can review them. We I still talk we, <laughs> There's no yeah. we it's just me and myself. I'm, I, I'm talking about myself in third person. Anyway, uh, yep. review your pictures, give you some feedback about it, and it's a great way to help support the show because then I'm actually working for a living and uh, making some money to pay for the show that you're listening to. So give us a try. we really like you guys to, uh, to do the portfolio reviews. And if you follow us on iTunes, please give us reviews and feedback on iTunes. That way we can get up in the ratings and i get more people to listen but actually the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show and have them listen and have them tell their friends i just want more people listening to the show i really love doing this show it's one of the things i do consistently and have a lot of fun with and i've met a lot of great people and so tell people about uh street shots and that's almost better than that's better than giving us a tip i'd rather have more people listening so anyway thanks sean again
1: you're welcome and thank you
0: thank you and, uh, and I want to say until next time but yes. I, I will see you later and if Tom was here he'd say adios adios